Gender-based violence is a pervasive issue in South Africa that results in deaths of thousands of women every year. The stats are staggering. More than half of all the women murdered, 56% in 2009, were killed by an intimate male partner. Just under 50% of women report having ever experienced emotional or economic abuse at the hands of their intimate partners in their lifetime. Between 28 and 37% of adult men reporting having raped a woman. Our conversation today is timely and coincides with the 16 days of activism against the gender-based violence global campaign. Welcome to the Limitless Conversations Podcast. A podcast for woke girls that love dumb, dumb stuff. Each episode we bring you our relatable and unapologetic take on life, society and culture. And as always, you're joined by me, Carla Fernandez, Dominique Creeby, Lebundaba. Hey. Guys, it's almost festive. It's festive in the air, is it here? Yeah, do you feel it? It's December. December. It's December. <laughs> All right. People are going to be losing their minds and acting all crazy, they relationships to the side, <laughs> you know. But yeah, we, we're hoping to wrap 2020 up quite nicely. And this is the episode that, you know, for me, feels like we have to do before the year ends. Yes. So let's just get into it. <laughs> um, introducing our special guest today, Melisha here today to talk to us about a topic that needs as much spotlight as it can get. I met our guest through a talk that the company I work for organized in August. And for context, for anyone who isn't in South Africa, um, August is known as Essays Women's Month. And in her talk, I was just completely moved by her story. And the first thought that came to mind was, I need to get her into the pod with us. Well done. And we succeeded. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Melisha, thank you for joining us. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hey, Melisha. Thanks, Carla, <laughs> Dominique, and Levo. It is amazing to meet you, ladies. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today and to speak with your listeners. So, hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be part of this really important topic, as you mentioned, Carla, and talk to you about my journey through it. Mm. I'm Alicia. And um, to put it bluntly, I am a victim and survivor mm. of domestic abuse. Words that I never thought I would use to describe myself. But this reality has been one of the reasons that I've chosen to share my story. Because I think we never think that it would happen to us, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And hence, I feel like this is something I really do need to share. Because my journey has made me realize just how important it is to share and how the only way we're going to change the way in which this is viewed is by bringing and shedding greater light to it. Absolutely. So I think, you know, as a starting point, um, my story of, of, you know, GBV or domestic abuse, as you would want to call it, isn't the ones you read about. Um, it doesn't include years of being beaten mm. or hospitalized with broken ribs and blue eyes. Um, and it's definitely not an, a narration of someone who didn't survive to tell their story. My experience of abuse was a bit more subtle, if I can use that word, actually. It's the type that you don't know is actually happening until it stares you in the face. Mm -hmm. And you realize that it was abuse in every form. But for years, I didn't have the external scars to prove it. So yes, I'm talking about emotional abuse, mm. which eventually turned physical. My journey of addressing the matter actually began firsthand in 2019. You know, the events of abuse, of course, was prior to that. Um, but it was actually sparked by a comment that was made by someone that I knew um, to describe my ordeal. And the words they used was, it was just once. Oof. Oof. And those four words for me have such power. Yeah. If anything, I think it was a bigger blow than the actual abuse itself. And for two reasons. One is that it's never just once. Mm -hmm. It's the accumulation of many one-time events in any form. And even if it is once, an in inverted commas, too much. Once, is once is too much. Too much. It is. Mm -hmm. 
And I think the second point for me was actually hearing my pain and suffering being summed up and diluted by another female, yeah. someone that I knew, someone who I called a friend at the time as it was just once made me realize just how much that we as women still need to work on and yeah. what the struggle to achieve true woman empowerment is and equality in order for us to, you know, really move forward mm-hmm. um, as women. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this journey actually made me realize that one cannot be solved without the other. Hence, I'm here today to share my story, which I hope will inspire, empower and provide courage to other women. Absolutely. To take back their power and their peace. Absolutely. I think for me, um, the biggest achievement that I was able to to get out of walking away and, and going through this journey was, was gaining back peace. Mm-hmm. And it actually puts life into such context because you can go through so many ups and downs, but the the peace that you that I feel now, even with everything else that sort of, you know, would happen in life and everything else that you would go through is is something that I never take for granted. Mm-hmm. Because you can never understand what it feels like or the lack of peace that you have when you're in an abusive relationship. Absolutely. Melisha, I think one of the things that really moved and touched me about your story, and I'm so glad you, you know, put it so perfectly and beautifully, is it's the abuse you 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 experienced was not, you know, the one we we hear the most about, yes. you know, the campaigns on TV that we yeah. see are mainly, you know, um, for the beaten, for the beaten women, the bruises, the, the bruises you know, um, and the women and that I, don't make it out. Yeah. 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 And I think it's important that TV covers because, you know, the shock factor sometimes helps us realize that we, we should not be desensitized by yeah. this. But I think that from an African perspective, especially um, emotional abuse is something that, we just don't talk about yeah. you know absolutely um so yeah we we're really really happy that you're here sharing your story with us thanks um, Carla. so yeah uh, just give us a bit more detail about how everything happened sure so i think um it's always good to actually you know set the context mm-hmm. so um so i'm going to start from just a little bit about my upbringing um so you know to be fair i've had a pretty simple and normal upbringing um a loving family, strong spiritual foundation, and a and a home filled with love and light. You know, my parents were and are my guiding force. And I think what I admired most about them was their ability to live together, but still have their own lives. And my mom was and still is a very independent free thinker um, who pursued everything she wanted and uh, was never stopped and questioned by my dad. Um, and my dad... Hence, I was brought up with the same values, um, to be a strong, independent woman. My dad never treated me differently to, to my younger brother. You know, if, um, if I got a curfew, so did he. So we were treated very equal. Mm. I was given equal opportunity and more. My gender was never a limiting factor. Um, and even in pursuing my career, I never felt limited as a female. You know, woman empowerment was not something that I had much interest in um, because I suppose I was never subjected to anything that made me feel less empowered. Um, And I never felt any injustice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So hence my upbringing, I think for me at least, uh, is the reason that I was able to identify with that which was wrong Mm. and finally have the courage to leave. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the manner of events in my life followed a somewhat typical path. Mm. So, I mean, when I say typical, I met a guy in my early 20s, (laughs) fell in love, dated for many years and and had the most romantic proposal, planned a wedding, etc. You know, um, basically every uh, and I put it in inverted commas, you know, most most girls dreams, those types of things. Absolutely. I did. I had everything I wanted. And anybody who was an observer of my life would have looked at it thinking it's perfect. Mm. Um, And I think my Facebook probably sold the story. But it was very different to the truth of what I felt and the occurrences of things that took place. So, you know, when I look back at the last 10 years, 
I realized that I was in an abusive relationship from the very beginning. Mm. And it started in the first few months. Um, you know, he called me up one day and asked me if I had contact with a past boyfriend. This was my, my early 20s, very early 20s. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't. And I said, no. I was then made a liar because he told me about an email that he found while going through my emails. Um, and back then, you know, emails were used to share jokes, morning messages, mm -hmm. etc. Much like WhatsApp these days in some ways. <laughs> yeah. the email was or WhatsApp. Exactly. <laughs> so that gives away a bit of my age. <laughs> so, yeah, and this is the type of email he found. Um, and of course, I couldn't, I, I couldn't actually remember that this was sent, you know, because it was really, I was just part of a mailing list. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know how to react because I, I didn't do anything wrong, but I was being questioned mm. and questioned with the intent to find a fault. And I remember a wave of heat and sweat building up, mm. you know, of just God. completely nervous and so afraid, but I had no reason to be, yet mm. you still feel that. Um and, you know, instead of actually addressing the greater problem of actually, how did he know my password and why was he invading my privacy? Um, I apologized wow. and said that I would tell the person never to send me anything again. Wow. Oh. And that was the beginning. Um, that first bit of fear was something that I never realized that I would feel over and over again. The incessant questioning about different things became something that you know, came up every few months. Mm. And if it was not anything to question about, then he would bring up a past event oh. um, and almost re-question it, cross-referencing to see whether my story would hold true to what I had said previously. Mm. That's so no way to live. in some ways, it almost felt like I needed to have a diary to remember, to remember you know, everything that was happening. That um, is classic manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was, to your point, emotionally manipulated. And kept feeling like I'm on the back foot and that I'm the problem. Having to almost justify everything. Mm. So, you know, even through this, I still tried to continue to be me. Because it was, I was inherently brought up with being independent myself, you know, not being afraid, growing up in, an, in a safe environment. So for me, I kept going back to my core. I needed to almost get back to my core. Um, so I still try to be me, but just with a little caution. Mm. Um, and like I would say to myself, you know, watch who you speak to. Uh, don't become friends with males. Don't really, you know, if there's any invites on Facebook, you need to let him know, etc. So I thought that, you know, by doing these things, I would avoid any future problems. Mm, I almost yeah. had to future proof things so that Thanks. I wouldn't have any problems going forward. And then, of course, you know, um, and I think we've seen uh, we've seen a lot of this with with lockdown. But uh, what happens with excessive alcohol intake? And mm -hmm. and by no means, um, alcohol is definitely not the cause of GBV. No, but it tends to bring out aggression. It tends to bring out anger. It's a big contributing exactly. Um, and I think you know the the narration of of alcohol in South Africa is not necessarily you know put in the right way because we're not st we're still not addressing the the core the core. Uh, problem yes um but there were many events that resulted from excessive alcohol intake um i remember one new year's eve um he uh there was a party at his parents home and um excessive drinking led to a fight and complete aggression um i was kicked out of his house with his parents watching this and trying to intervene i've sworn at profusely standing outside and waiting for my brother to pick me up and, you know, you would think that I should have left then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we weren't married. Yeah. And it would have been an easier goodbye. But when someone you love mm -hmm. calls you a day later, crying and apologizing and saying that he'll never do it again, mm -hmm. you think to yourself, you start rationalizing, mm -hmm. you start justifying it. Making and you say excuses for them. For them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you start saying to yourself, you know, well, well, at least I was saying to myself, it was the first time that he's used, to, you know, used such language on me. He was drunk. He's apologized. He didn't mean it. He said he, he, he would never do it again. I need to forgive because we also taught 
that you need to forgive people. Yeah. Yeah. People make mistakes. Yeah. And those are things that we're taught. So Second chances are important. Exactly. Yeah. And and so, you know, I did just that. You know, it didn't actually occur for two years after. And that was the two years that I actually did have peace in the relationship. Uh, it was at the point where we got engaged, we planned the wedding and got married. And so it was, you know, somewhat happy times. Mm. Um, but, you know, shortly after... Um, everything sort of surfaced again and all the previous issues came back in different forms. I was questioned on how I was dressing. Um, dresses that I had previously worn and that were never a problem suddenly became too short <laughs> and tops became too low. I would receive numerous texts and phone calls whilst at work functions and events and you know there was always something he would pick on and I mean I think you ladies know being in, in, in different industries that there's always work events and functions yeah. mm, and those yeah. types of things and it's quite hard to almost you know get yourself out of that you, you it's part it, no, it's true. part of networking right yeah. Yeah. so it becomes quite difficult and I almost felt that everything became became an excuse to cause a problem mm. and you know this idea of getting drunk and picking a fight surfaced once again. And each time it became worse. It went from the questioning and foul language to then punching doors and breaking them down. And on, and on one event, actually throwing a piece of the door in my direction, just oh missing God. me. And each time he apologized and promised it would never happen again. But it did. Yeah. Many times yes, after. Mm. And each time... You know, a small part of me was chipped away. Each time, I just felt greater fear rising. Yeah. Uh, and it became so much stronger. Yeah. And I got to a point where I started questioning everything I did. Um, was I to blame? What can I do differently? Mm. I started feeling that this isn't right. Yeah. But, and this can't be okay. So I did, I did know this. And, and I had those thoughts in my head. Yeah. Um, so I did stand up to him on certain instances, um, but it was never welcomed. Yeah. So it felt like being between a rock and a hard place. Mm. Um, you know, I was asking myself, do I just let it be and give in to everything mm -hmm. and slowly lose myself mm -hmm. because that's what it becomes? Mm -hmm. Or do I stand up and have my voice heard, mm -hmm. but then that results in actually letting go of any peace that you could possibly have? Yeah. Yeah. True. yeah. Did you ever have a moment where, like, you looked in the mirror? I'm sure you did. And you were like, I don't recognize this person. Mm. Like, many times. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just thinking about your, that moment that you had with your friend that said, it just happened once. Because now it's, the just once became twice, thrice, four times. You know, did you ever find yourself going back to that friend to say, look, it didn't just happen once? Or did you also completely cut yourself off from friends and people that you could talk to or that you trusted? You know, funny enough, I, going through something of this nature, and I think with anything that is a, anybody who goes through some sort of difficulty, you really start, number one, understanding yourself, but then you also understand the, the, the true people in your life. Mm. And it becomes quite easy to then cut the ones that are quite evidently are not people that you, should, that you, that you need in your life. Mm. So, you know, the, the way in which the, the circumstances occurred in terms of actually hearing what this person had to say, it wasn't directly said to me, so I couldn't actually, you know, have a conversation. Um, but I never felt a need to actually go back and justify it. Mm. Because I think for me, it's going, well, if that's, if somebody who knows me for, you know, eight years can say that and, and knows both of us and, and actually uses that term, it's it's a waste yeah. of my energy to actually try to justify it yeah. because that person technically not your friend. Yeah, they yeah. don't it, have your best interests at heart. Yeah. yeah, the trust is gone. You know. Yeah, there's no point. There's nothing to get there. Exactly. It's and where you I, put I think your energy completely. And I think you know, um, if anything, I think if I had to meet her now, I'd I'd, I'd thank her because um, she was a catalyst to me actually being here today. Mm -hmm. To me actually starting to talk out. So if anything. You know, things can sometimes the great. I think sometimes the greatest inspiration comes from the greatest pain, mm -hmm. and and this is so true for my story, mm -hmm. because it was yes, I've had the incidents of you know the abuse and all of that, but that never transpired to give me enough energy to to turn that around. But when when you know when this happened, um, that's when it actually turned, and that was the catalyst for me because that's when I felt. I suppose injustice to a point where it was it was above the 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 domestic abuse. It became 
abuse of a different kind um where i think you know the the term that i use is the extension of abuse mm-hmm. um and and that's where i think i realized just how you know, you know how massive this issue is and how there's so many contributing factors it can happen at that level with your partner and you know there's there's so much that you go through there but then about what happens when society then does these things what do you do then and i think that's for me uh has become something that i'm really passionate about in terms of really addressing as well because what do we do as a society yeah yeah there's just so we, many layers to this um and Uh, fundamentally what i'm learning also is that abuse in general is a spectrum right completely mm-hmm. um and circumstantial who's to say that was an abuse or who's to say that person is an abused mm-hmm. but i think the more women continue to have these conversations with themselves within their inner circles you know um dominique uh, lebo and i were friends since high school for example yeah. i'd love to know that I can rely on them if ever I'm in that situation. Yeah. You know, to not look at me, judge me mm. and tell me oh but it's just once or I need to make make it work or you know I need to know that I can rely and depend on that community of women. So and I think the only way that can happen is through conversation and um women empowerment. Mm. Um Melissa, what happened next? You know, Carla, I think what happened was uh I started, you know, I really started questioning and um and having i suppose in some ways tough conversations with myself um i i really i couldn't identify with the person i became anymore um and and i think i w- i i kept feeling like um i was going against my true north and it was a battle of you know trying to still be me holding on to that um uh, while still slowly uh having it chipped away in some ways mm-hmm. um and and i think you know from that point i i then i did start thinking about you know is divorce something that i should look at mm. but i just didn't really know how to go about accepting it because um i think what i felt was that i know that the experience and what i was feeling isn't normal and it isn't the ingredients to a happy marriage um yet i felt that i didn't have enough reason to leave and i kept justifying it again in my head you know he didn't lay a hand on me if and maybe it will you know it would get better if we try harder uh we can work through it and i think this is a mistake that many you know many many women make not feeling like there is enough reason to leave becomes justified we mm-hmm. feel like there needs to be enough he needs to have beaten and and battered me and all of that in order for me to justify leaving right. um and so you know <laughs> Funny enough I I sometimes think back I used to I used to so I'm I'm quite spiritual and I used to pray every morning and the only thing I used to actually ask you know the universe and a higher power for was peace and, and that was all, the only thing I asked for is that all I want is peace whatever that form is just just give me peace and uh I think that uh, the universe listened it came in the harshest way finally where i can now sit here and say i feel a deep sense of peace yeah. but what i had to go through over the last almost 3 years you know has has definitely in 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 many ways has been worth it to be able to be where i am today um yeah. and so what happened was um on the night of the 7th of jan 2018 i experienced my first slap mm-hmm. countless times I experienced him pressing his lit cigarette against my hand, burning me. I experienced being pushed on my bed, having him get on top of me, pull my hair, bite my arm, press his hands on my mouth and nose, suffocating me and telling me that I was going to die. My husband, a man I should feel safest with, telling me that he was going to kill me. I always said that if a man ever laid a hand on me I would fight back. But when you're actually in that situation mm. it is fight or flight. Yeah. Sure. And I chose flight. I somehow managed to push him off mm-hmm. and run out the door. Jump in my car and drive off in my nightdress barefoot. Oh, Nisha. Whew. Whew. That was a lot. Just Thank you for your strength. Yeah. 
I, I cannot put myself in your shoes and say how it feels yeah. or say I know how you feel, but thank you for your strength. Yeah. Thank you for having the courage to be able to come here yeah. and be open and honest about this topic. Thank yeah. you. And to relive, because I, I, I can't imagine it to be easy. I understand that you have peace, Melisha, but I know that healing is now taking place. And oh. this process of you speaking and your activism and everything you're dedicating at this point in your life, um, your purpose right now, I get that that's where you're going to find that healing. No, absolutely. And, you know, I think um, each time, I suppose I, I, I hear those words or or even just speak about the incident, it, I, I don't think it would ever go away. No. Even though, you know, um, yeah, I, I, as you mentioned, there's peace, there's there's a lot of healing. It, it's still something that would will always stick with me. Um, yeah. It'll be something that will always be there. And I, I think I've made peace with it because uh, I think I look at the, the flip side of it is that I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I'm able mm-hmm. to sit here and have a conversation. I'm able to help other women yeah. um, and empower other women. And so in a lot of ways, I, I do feel like I was blessed enough to in some ways have had it easier mm-hmm. that I still have a full, happy life. And I I couldn't be more grateful, I suppose, for that. Absolutely. And I think it takes it takes that mindset to actually be able to put this, you know, uh, to, to look at this and actually flip it on its head. Absolutely. Because if you if you keep thinking about that and remembering that, then you get stuck in, in the past and you get stuck in it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think for me, I, I, I've taken it and went, well, actually, what can I do yeah. from this? Yeah. Uh, and absolutely. I mean, Carla, I think just, you know, actually being able to be here and um, engage, you know, with the, with the three of you and, and speak to your listeners yeah. is, is really for me, it just, it just, it, it really makes everything a lot more worthwhile. Absolutely. And all the pain that I've been through feels like it was, it was definitely worth it. Yeah. You, you basically reached a point where you said to yourself, this will not define me. This will not define my future. Um, and I think sometimes it is so important to fight against that um, victim mentality that we all tend to get comfortable with, right? Yeah. You, it becomes familiar to you. It becomes your normal. Yeah. Um, and after many years, because, you know, a lot of these, like it happened with you, it happens over a long period of time. And the more it eats away your identity, your personality, your dreams, because, I mean, at some point, all you wanted was peace, yeah, um, and you probably wanted peace more than you wanted, you know, to focus on that next achievement because you are a powerhouse yourself. You are a career girl. Um, you know, you are successful in your own right. And at that point, I'm just thinking, wow, Militia was this, you know, super strong, dedicated to her job, um, trailblazer. And at home, you're going through something else. You know, I think those are the nuances sometimes that we forget. Um, sometimes even the strongest women um, can be subject to to, to, to this abuse. Um, and again, just going back to judging each other as women, we need to really be there for each other because um, it's a spectrum. There's a lot that goes on. Yeah. You know, no. that for me has been the teachable moment, especially with your story. Yeah, no, and, and you're absolutely, you're absolutely right, Carla. I think, um, that's exactly it is that, um, you never know somebody's circumstances. You don't actually know what's going on mm-hmm. and what people almost, you know, show you, uh, or portray at least on the exterior is not always what the interior is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think we know that so much more, especially with social media now. Uh huh. Um, Militia, so just take us through what happened after that night then. As I mentioned earlier, um, I'm very blessed to have a very supportive family. And um, I then filed for divorce and uh, my family and my parents stood by me. And, you know, anyone who's been through divorce will tell you how difficult that journey is just Mm -hmm. on its own. 
And it's generally not because you're losing the other person. In most cases, you know, love was probably lost a a longer time before that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really that loss of a dream, um, something you committed to and feeling like you failed. And I, I think, you know, when you couple this with abuse, it becomes the greatest emotional roller coaster. I, I think I, I really did feel like it was a complete emotional roller coaster. Because on one hand, you just think you think that you know you are able to to get out of the situation, but on the other hand, you think I've I failed. Um, and even though you know logic will tell you that you haven't failed, if anything, you've been really successful. Because you've you actually stepped out and left. You were brave, but mm-hmm. exactly. But but you you tell yourself, I failed because my marriage failed, yeah. and and it's a very classic, um, you know, sort of feeling. I think for many women mm-hmm. who go through this, is that you think I should have done more. I should have done. I should have, but actually you realize that even and and again, you know, when it stares you in the face as it did with me, I feel like should I have done more. But then actually you realize you actually have to make peace with the fact that, no, you it's not you anymore. You did the best you, you could yeah. in exactly. the situation at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I think what also, uh, I, I guess, plays, you know, within women's minds around that time is also what will be of me, you know, without, you know, this marriage or what what could possibly be waiting for me on the other side? You know, because you're already so down and depressed, it's really, and I guess that's what depression is, right? You cannot mm. see a brighter outcome or future. Mm. So you just think to yourself, I'm going to stay where I know people know me. It's familiar. It's, I'll just make it work, you know, surely. Because, I mean, who's going to want to date if you're an older woman, for example, you know, or if you have kids, which is usually yeah. the case, you know, yeah. you're down to three, four, five kids. Like, who's going to want you then? Like, can you really make it work? Um, you know, uh, uh, that's a difficult one to 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 move from, you know. Oh, completely. I mean, and I think it's in any situation because I look at myself and I, look, at no point did I ever doubt the divorce. I knew that it needed to happen. Um, but I did. I, I think after that, I sat there going, you know, who's going, well, not really who's going to, but how does someone who is, well, I think I was 31, mm-hmm. how does someone who's 31 and was married for two and a half years then justify anything? How, how do you then get into a relationship? Mm-hmm. And you start asking yourself silly questions, like the next person you meet, are they going to understand that? Or how do you, you know, how do you actually then fit into their family? How are they going to understand how somebody was just married for two years? Because, People judge, mm-hmm. and yeah. and I'm not going to go around going, "Hey, you know, um, I was abused, so that's yeah. a reason." <laughs> You're uh, not going to leave forgive with that. me, <laughs> you know. You, you definitely not, mm-hmm. and so you can't. Um, you can't speak about it. You have to just assume that. Well, actually, people can see you for you, mm-hmm. and re- and no questions asked. Go well. You know what? She went through something, but I see her, um, and she's a good person, and not judge. And think about what are the reasons out of that. Out of that. Mm. And you almost have to, you know, as a person who's been in that situation, also see the good in yourself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, I think a, a lot of advice that I got from people um, was just be kind to yourself. Mm. Um, and I think I struggle with that. That's probably the hardest thing for me to do is being kind to myself because I feel like I need to always have my ducks in a row. I always need to know what's happening next. I always need to have my life all figured out and planned out. Um, and when it's not sort of working in that way, um, I get, you know, I can get quite depressed or quite upset. Anxious. And exactly. And um, I think the biggest lesson I learned as well has been just be kind to yourself. And, and kindness comes in different forms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's okay if you don't know what's going to happen for the next two months. It's okay if you're actually so down and depressed that all you're doing is sitting in bed and crying. Mm-hmm. It's okay. As long as it's not going to go on for you know years yeah. from now. But you need to heal. Yeah. And healing comes in, in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that year I was fortunate enough that um, the divorce sort of happened quite quickly. Because mm-hmm. um, we, we didn't have any children so right. it was quite an easier sort of walk away. Yeah. Got you. Um, and, you know, by the end of 2018, 
I really felt like I was already at, you know, quite a good space. Um, I did go through a lot of therapy, just speaking with psychologists, just to make sure that I'm, I'm really, I was dealing with it because right. I, I think the last thing I wanted was to, Carry that into another relationship. Exactly. Or, or to push it aside and to not deal with it. And then, you know, next thing I know, 10 years down the line, I'm having a breakdown. And then I have to then deep dive into this and realize, well, well this is it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, control of all levels. So, um, and so I did. And uh, and I remember I was, um, I spent New Year's of 2018 with uh, a very special um, family member. And uh, I remember she and I, you know, we were just chatting about the year. And I just remember thinking that with everything that happened, I just, again, went back to the peace that I felt on that New Year's Eve. Just thinking about the number of New Year's Eves where I went through different, you know, sort of levels of stress. Um, that this was actually one where there was just this it felt like a fresh new start. Um, but I mean, look, little did I know what 2019 had in store for me. Mm. So I, I met someone and um, started dating. Uh, and in early 2019, my ex-husband came to hear of this. Um, and so what happened is that he then told everyone we knew that I was having an affair when, whilst we were married. And uh, he also used, of course, used this as a reason as to why I filed for divorce. Because, well, yeah. He's not going to tell anybody yeah, what yeah. happened, right? And, and I honestly wasn't someone who's going to tell anyone either. Mm -hmm. um, and so what happened from here is that my family actually received nasty messages. Um, I was questioned by mutual friends and I really I felt like my integrity was ruined. Um, and, you know, if the divorce was for any other reason, if it was a breakdown of a marriage, I, I wouldn't have been bothered with these with such rumors because rumors always come out after some yeah, an event. Yeah, so it true. wouldn't have bothered me, actually. Agreed. But I think the injustice that I felt at that point um, tipped me over the edge because of course to this point I wasn't talking about what happened uh, I never laid a charge there was not none of that I just really just ended it um, in a civil manner and just started a new life mm -hmm. um, but when and, and and as I said I had that peace again but when something like this comes in and happens you just it felt like every bit of peace that I had gained was stripped away yeah. And it felt like I moved 10 steps forward and I was pushed 100 steps back. Yeah. Um, and all I kept feeling was that he still had power over me. Mm. And I kept thinking, how can I allow this? Like, that's all I could think of is that how can I allow this? How can this person have such power over me? Um, and it so happened that, you know, at the time of the incident in 2018, I took pictures of the marks the next day. Um, and I visited my GP as well. Um, and as a medical professional, he documented everything. Um, and he actually asked me to, you know, he advised me at least to report the case. But I think with everything that I was going through, I didn't actually have enough strength. And I really wanted things to just, just to just be gone in some ways. You want to um, forget. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you're going through such pain already with everything. The last thing I needed was to have a case that I was then also, you know, sort of um, pursuing mm. uh, in addition to dealing with actually going through the, the, the culmination of the abuse as well as um, the divorce. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't do that, but I, I did have the pictures. I knew the GP had stuff. And then I actually documented everything that happened that night. Um, and I did this, you know, really more for me because I wanted to remember what happened. Um, and I, I also sent it to him because I wanted him to know what he had done. Mm. Um, and that was really the reason. And, and never did I think that a year later, all these pieces would form enough evidence to give me back my peace and my power. Um, and it almost felt like the stroke of fate on my end is a lesson that every woman can learn from. Yeah. That, Definitely. you know, if you're experiencing abuse of any kind, document everything. I think that was probably the smartest saving thing you grace. did. Yeah. It really was a saving grace, yeah. yeah. Um and I and and I I really do. I would really appeal to all women. If you're going through abuse, you know, you never know when when you want to when will be your tipping point yeah. and when you want to leave and when you know 
when you actually want to take this forward and all those those pieces of evidence and that documentation mm-hmm. really forms the evidence that you need to take this forward yeah so it's so important to document and just to clarify to women you know you didn't go to the police and 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 file for for the case but you spoke to your gp who is bound by patient um doctor patient doctor patient confidentiality right 100% And and I think that's important then you can tap into that when you're ready. Yeah. I, I wow. Yeah, I'm blown yeah. away. And and I mean it's just funny how everything sort of happened and fell into place because mm-hmm. he was then able to actually, you know, fill out a JT8 after that. And so mm-hmm. the JT8 form is the form that you that the doctor needs to fill out uh in a case of gender-based violence. Mm-hmm. Um so um what happened was after these these rumors um and after being subjected to this you know i was extremely emotional and uh as i said it was the extension of abuse it just felt like everything came back and so i did actually in a you know one day in a fit of extreme emotion um i went to the police station and i laid a report i still remember being at work that day and i just i couldn't keep it together i couldn't keep my emotions together i printed everything out I went to the police station and I laid the report. And 2 days later, he was arrested. Mm. And oh, I recall when he was arrested, um he had his family call me up and beg me to drop the charges, saying that he'll stop talking about this matter if I did. And his parents begged me to save their son, telling me that I shouldn't ruin his life. and that they'll ensure he doesn't speak about me and that they show that he learned his lesson now now exactly so convenient i think i find you know i i i cannot help but draw that parallel um you know especially with every other hashtag me to case about men in quite powerful positions and um there's always the group of people that would be like but you know that accusation could ruin that person's life or career what about the victim's life um absolutely it it, it yeah it, but this but this is the mental the mental game that's played mm-hmm. and this is the this is what you know victims of abuse have to go through yeah i think in my situation it may have been a light version of it in some ways yeah i think there's many women who go through far greater um you know women who whose own families don't support them yeah. i was very True. lucky that that i have an amazing you know a uh, family and support network System. absolutely that that is there for me um yeah. but so many women don't True. yeah that is the reality of things yeah mm-hmm. and so um and so you know with everything that had happened um <laughs> i was still ready to go to the police station and drop the charges i was so afraid even yeah. after laying that charge i was so afraid of what would happen even i felt sympathy yeah i felt like i shouldn't do this i needed to i need to drop the charge yeah. and i think that's the biggest the biggest problem we have is that that emotion of women and the sympathy we feel mm-hmm. is the reason why men who abuse are not held accountable they get away for their actions yeah uh because again it's it's manipulation yeah um and i'm extremely thankful that i didn't Um so I you know just I spent the the greater part of 2019 in and out of court. Uh it was a roller coaster of emotions, you know, before the court days it would be sleepless nights, this illogical fear that he was going to find me and my life was in danger. Mm. And then, you know, you're going to court and you you're sitting there and wondering what's going to happen and then days after it's a emotionally draining experience. So it was just it was another roller coaster of, of emotions. and i couldn't have done it without actually just the support system as i've mentioned that i have yeah. you know people who were there holding my hand in in court uh making sure that they were there at every appearance with me yeah um and really you know at the end justice was served and everything that i went through finally felt worth it but you know looking back at looking back at it i think for me the outcome was never the real win um The win was actually finally standing up for myself and mm-hmm. fighting back. 
the wind was taking back my rights, my power and my peace. And that for me was the biggest win and the biggest achievement. Um, because now I can stand up and know that I did do the right thing. I, I still am a strong, independent woman who has all the, you know, sort of all the power to be able to achieve anything that I want. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me is, is so strong. And it's definitely the one thing that I couldn't be more grateful for that. I think you mentioned it earlier, Carla, is that, um, it's, I'm not in that victim situation that I'm not held back by, I'm not held back by what has happened to me. I don't even look at that anymore. Yeah. I've never actually went and felt sorry for myself that I'm this, I was this victim of abuse. I actually look at it and go, well, actually, you know, I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to have found real purpose, I think, in my life. Mm-hmm. Because I think if anything that this has shown me what my purpose is, is to be able to be able to credibly speak to other women about standing up for themselves when it comes to gender-based violence mm-hmm. and to be able to walk away because I have first-hand, first-hand experience, experience at yeah. it that, um, that it really is from more credible sort of space that I can. And so for me, I think those lessons learned um, has really been, uh, it's been one that's, that's really going to be sort of like the driving factor for me for the rest of my life. Absolutely. And here you are writing, you know, a new chapter in your life. Yeah. You know, and that and there's so much power in that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I cannot commend you enough, again, for your strength. Because there's not a lot of um, platforms or people that would come up and be able to tell their story as you have today. Um, So as a community of women, I wonder what are your thoughts on what we're doing, what we're not doing right or what we're not doing enough of? Is it really easy to be a social media activist and post stories and posts about how you are a feminist and support women, but are we really putting in the work? What are your What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think Lebo, that's an interesting one um, because that's something I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, as I said previously, I wasn't a woman empowerment. I wasn't really focused on woman empowerment, but but I think for me now, it's it's become quite redefined of what woman empowerment is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's 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 so. Um, it's strange that, you know, we live in a time where it really does feel like woman empowerment is at its peak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's movements, books, talks. I mean, I think all of us have been exposed to Kamala Harris being vice president. That's been, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. huge <laughs> for women. And it's, it's, it's amazing to see that we live in an era where, where those things are actually possible. Mm. And that as females, that, that the sky really is the limit, um, that anything is possible now. But uh, I think just for me, it's it's really been about when I look at woman empowerment, it's going, what's holding us back? And it's the little things and it's the subtleties. We don't, we may not always notice it or we may not always, uh, we're not the first to actually speak about it, but it's the subtleties about how do we, how do we react when we hear about something like abuse? Mm-hmm. So maybe the four of us here, are a lot more sensitive to it and we can empathize. But you have to ask the majority of women, how how do you react? Does it make you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. that you shy away from it and that you don't actually support the next person? Um, how do people feel, um, you know, how do you feel when when there's a colleague, a female that's prom- that's promoted in a, you know, into a, a higher position or so? And I, I mean, it might be a sensitive space, but do we, do all women really feel happy mm-hmm. or do we actually, do we look for the excuses? Mm-hmm. Because I've seen it, you know, um, just, I've seen it just within, you know, working in, in, in sort of corporate as well, where um, you can almost look at a man who has a specific sort of leadership style and you look at him as going, he's strong, he's, uh, he knows what he's doing, he, he's authoritative, he's forthright, etc. And the same woman can have the same behaviors, but she's seen as she's too, you know, she's too aggressive. Uh, she's micromanaged. She micromanages. She's, you know, all of those things. So it almost like I do feel that even though we, we push for women empowerment, we don't always support women. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. that's, I feel... Genuinely support. Genuinely, genuinely support. Women included. Exactly. Especially mm-hmm. women, I think. And I feel like we're sometimes our own worst enemies. Yeah. yeah. Women we don't always support women. And I think that's the narrative that needs to change. We need to change our mindset about that and stop judging. Stop, you know, the subtleties that we do. And I think we're... We were so conditioned by it, by mm-hmm. those subtleties of just, you just automatically judge, you automatically label, you automatically do those things with other women. Mm-hmm. But it's about actually reconditioning mm. and breaking down that norm so that we're, we're actually more conscious of just the little things that we're doing. Yep. Um, so that it doesn't, so that we can actually really achieve, you know, greater and truer woman empowerment. Agreed. I have uh, an interesting question, um, and this is just from an experience um, that I've I've almost uh, just heard far too many similar stories. And um, so culturally, particularly African cultures, um, of which I am a part of, uh, like I told you, I'm Mozambican, um, I've seen and uh, heard really sad stories of women, you know, confiding in their moms, um, their aunts, their grandmothers, you know, support system like you had um, about problems in in their marriage. And far too often the outcome is falls mainly, um, you know, the burden falls mainly on on the women's shoulders to to make it work or to make the changes, Um, you know, maybe, you know, carve out you know, time to spend with him, cook, uh, cook a meal or, you know, you get yeah. a lot of, you know, suggestions on how to, to, mm. to make your marriage work. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, what is your take on these, you know, supposed support systems that many women rely on for that affirmation about the, de- the decision to leave, um, especially in cases where violence is involved? That's a very, you know, interesting question and uh it's a tough one mm-hmm. because and i said i think i use the word reconditioning but it really is it requires reconditioning in so many ways because as a society um we are we're conditioned to to believe that we're meant to take care of our husbands um you know that you you're meant to to be a specific way as a woman because that's what that's what you do um mm-hmm. and and because prior generations were taught that that's what they sort of teach us yeah. Um, so it is a tough one. I mean, I think to to be in that situation and not actually have the support makes it a lot harder to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can tell you that if if my parents had to say to me, "No, you need to go back," I, it really would make make me think hard about whether I should be leaving. Yeah. And I, I can't say I can't sit here and say for certain that I would have left. Um, but it I think it comes down to and i suppose it's it's hard to change the the generation that you know that has has been but it's about the parents that we can become yep. so the parents that we can become as and teaching the next generation is that you should be having those conversations with them to to actually let them know that it's okay to leave that you don't you don't need to be in a situation where you're unhappy mm-hmm. and and you you shouldn't ever have to be to put up with violence mm-hmm. You know, um, you should be setting that sort of that environment for them where they f- they can feel safe enough to come to you with a problem and know that you're going to be there for them. Yeah. They shouldn't have to um, to ever feel like there's a question mark, because I think in society, there's many instances where you will doubt and question yourself. Mm-hmm. So what you need is at least the foundation of your family. That's a solid one that, yeah. you know, will always be there to support you. Yeah. So that for me, I think is the, probably the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and I know it's tough because there's, you know, there's so many, there's so many aspects that we almost, I think we want to teach our kids and um, we want to make sure we land certain things with them, etc. But it's, I, I think, I think it's, it's really, it's, it's really pertinent that it's these simple things mm. that become the biggest things that they need in life. True. Because formal education is one aspect, yep. but it's about life skills and all of these little bits that are really going to help change the next generation. Absolutely. I think the future looks differently. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And I mean, yeah. you just you just answered my question because, like, I wanted to know what was what would be that one thing. I mean, amongst there's so many, but the fact that you said that it's okay to leave, like when those signs are there, you know, get out of here. It's yeah. okay. Next. You know? So <laughs> next. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you answered my question with how do we, you know, what do we, what do we tell our next generation of boys and girls? Yeah. Um, when you see those signs and it, not have that shame on oh my word, like you were telling yourself, yeah. like oh my word, like people are judging me, and mm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to leave for your own. And my word for today, you, you repeated that a few times as well. Um, that I'm going to take from you is peace. Peace. Yes. I love that. To I love that. Peace. To find your to find peace. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I I think militia oh, with my question also was, I think for our generation, yeah. we're still our support system is still largely um, the generation that overly compromised mm. you know the the women that overly compromised and um took the burden on and and mainly because they just weren't supported by society yeah so i i, I do think the future looks a lot more different yeah. um and as much as i uh, i i still have my mom around and when it comes to raising my son there's a lot that i can rely on her for yeah but it's a completely new set of rules mm-hmm. um, that my mom is, would be completely out of depth. Yeah. Um, I need to raise my son a lot more differently than perhaps she raised my brothers, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it's a completely new yeah. ball game. I think and even when you mentioned, and just thinking about it, when you were saying you were raised where your, your parents raised you and your brother, the same with the curfew thing, uh-huh. there was always a double standard. Yeah. Like as a girl, yeah. no, you must stay. Uh, and then your brother can come and go as he pleases. It's you like, know, yeah. no. Oh, because he's a boy. Because he's yeah. a boy. Yeah, it's like little things like that, you yeah. know, where it leads to where you think, oh, okay, girl's wearing a short skirt. Yes, I can touch her. You know, that's yeah. that's that's not okay. Yeah. I think biggest thing is um, something that everybody's been speaking about lately. We need to teach our boys differently. Yeah. We can't be out here teaching our girls that you need to protect yourself. Cover up. Time, cover up. Don't wear a skirt. It's too short. Don't wear a tube top. It's showing your boobs. No, we need to teach our boys better. We need to teach them that you need to protect the females. And you just need to act like a decent human being. Yeah, Yeah. I think. And the fact that we, sorry, the fact that we, it needs to come to a point where we need to teach you how to treat somebody with the basic form of respect for me is utterly disgusting. Yeah, it it, it shows just how far behind we are because where are said boys getting these lessons from? Where yeah. are they getting the notion that it is okay to continue and treat women the way they do? Yeah, it's it's very disheartening. Well, for one, leading by example is True. important. So yeah. dads nowadays have such a big role, and um, I was having this discussion with my fiance fiance the other day and we were just talking about how you know we need to be in agreement with how we're going to move forward with you know um not just educating our son but making him aware of his environment and the just how the world has sort of changed um and particularly around the topic of consent and you know, with all the different educational systems available at the moment, there's like Montessori and all these, um, you know, super interesting ways of educating your child. You'll find a lot of YouTube videos where there's a, a group of moms that don't believe in the word no. When you, you know, when you try yeah. to teach your child yeah. how to do certain things, like don't use the word no, because you need to always encourage them to do certain things. And, you know, I said to my fiance, I was like, I, I find that fundamentally flawed. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we're teaching him that the word no doesn't exist. And then when he's 18, we're going to try and teach him about consent. Consent. No means no. No means stop. And he's a toddler now. And I I play with him and I'm like, no means? And he'll say no. And he needs to know that at one years old as much as he's going to have to know that at 18 years old. True. And, you know, I think um, just listening to Carla, yourself and Lebo on this, I think... You, and Lebo, you mentioned respect. Yeah. And actually, I think that that is so fundamental, but it's about how that evolves as your kid grows. Mm-hmm. What True. does respect mean? So, yes, there's the basic foundation and you can say respect manners, you know, sort of please and thank you. And we teach kids all of those little things. But then how does that respect evolve as they get older? Mm-hmm. I think I also think that we need to be having more open, honest conversations with our children. Yeah. Yeah. Having and really, I think the previous generation, I, I mean, I'm sure you, 
are, have you ever had serious conversations about, uh, you know, um, sexual intercourse with your family when you were growing up? I Never. don't even Never. remember <laughs> having a sex talk with my mom. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't even remember. But I don't even think it happened. Exactly. Actually. Because these things were so taboo. Mm-hmm. So then you don't know actually how do you handle that as an adult, right? Yeah. What are your, your cues are from every, every external thing. Yeah. So it's the same with, I think, with something like re- respect and, and, and abuse and all of these things is that if we don't actually teach kids about these things, they're going to pick it up and learn it from everywhere else. Yeah. Sure. yeah. And, and aside from teaching, I think when I'm just learning so much with my toddler, he doesn't go by so much what I tell him. He goes by how we show it to him. Yeah. So if, if, for example, my, my fiance not, and I, we are so aware that he's now just a copycat. You know, he he cannot just be telling him, don't do that. He needs to show him that you don't do that. Yeah. And and that's the role that we both have to play. Completely. And then there are, you know, like you said, the exterior influences. You know, they get educated at home. And then you have school. And even that system needs to be a little bit rewired, right? Mm. We have... Well, we had life orientation. I don't know what they have now, life skills or whatever. But in those sessions, I remember focusing mainly on the anatomy of sex Mm. as opposed to all the other things that come with it, right? Your consent, your respect, all of those things. I think that is what life skills is about. Completely. And it shouldn't be one period out of the week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? How about we put a little bit more, you yeah. know, they make it as important as as maths as yeah. as science because some kids are not getting this at home. No. Completely. True. Yeah. No, they're not. Unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah. your Malisha, you've been amazing and you know, to your you. next chapter Whatever that might be, may it be everything of the best, you know. And this is really, this was deep, y'all. <laughs> we had a few tears, you know. <laughs> you guys couldn't hear it, but it was there. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for joining oh, us. Thank you. you. Know, it was um, an absolute pleasure. For our Limitless fans, so to our Limitless Podcast Conversation, do make sure you visit our IG page at Limitless Conversation Podcast to find the link in our bio where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Podcasts. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere on your cassette on your vinyl the Walkman <laughs> whatever it might be um, so you'll never miss a show so while you're at it if you you know found a value in the show we appreciate a rating on iTunes or you could simply tell a friend about the show that would really help us too so see you on our next episode and to everybody listening stay woke don't forget to laugh about the dumb stuff peace 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 <laughs> yeah thank you so much guys You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.